It is another episode of the Live It Well podcast that I am your wonderful host. At least sometimes I think I'm wonderful, but that comes from trying to maintain as positive an attitude as possible. Uh, your wonderful host, Richard Didor. And this week, I am excited to welcome a wonderful friend of mine, someone who I've known uh, six or seven years. We've um, we worked together for a period of time, and then we've just been friends ever since. And she just brings an awesome energy, has some awesome life experiences, world experiences, and has a, currently a really sweet gig that we talk about. Our guest this week, my guest this week that I'm going to share with you is Ann Lowry. Um, Anne is just a, kind of this wonderful soul, and I think you're, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Uh, a couple things that, that we talked about. We talked about her experience working at American Girl and what that was like. Really interesting, especially now that I have a daughter. So that's a whole world that I've got to figure out as, as, uh, as I go through this, this uh, toddler growing up. But we, we both have experience in marketing, and uh, we both come from this place of we want to make sure that customers, clients have awesome experiences, whatever that is, whatever the product is, that's so vitally important. And her job now is to work with the uh, annual, the Register's annual bike ride across Iowa called Ragbri. And she said that that it's all about the people and how important it is to create an awesome experience and how it's just a seven-day, she called it a seven-day rolling festival. And that's true. You ride across the state in seven days, and um, it really is a magical event. And I, I personally can't wait to participate in it. Um, she also said one other thing that I want to call out. I, I'm kind of spoiling the, the fun of the conversation a little bit, but I want to make sure that you hear this more than once. Because I think it's so important when we talk about how to live life well and how to give back and how to be a positive influence, not only on yourself, but on the circle and the world around you. She said that I don't want to be the reason that you have a bad day. And I wrote that down as we were talking because I was like, that's amazing. I don't want to be the reason you have a bad day. If only we could all approach our own daily life with that in mind in our uh, you know, intrapersonal communication and our interpersonal communication and how important that approach is and how valuable that is. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Anne. I enjoyed it. The next time she and I get together, there will be a beer involved. So Anne, again, thank you for your time. um, And we'll get that beer really soon. So up next is my conversation with Anne. So I'm so excited to have Anne um, on this week's podcast. I've known Anne really since I moved back to Iowa, which is six, six-ish years ago. Um, and we'll get into how we met. But, uh, Anne, why don't you kind of give a 411 about who you are? <laughs> okay. Um, so Richard's right. We met about six years ago. Uh, I'm from Des Moines, but moved to Chicago to go to college uh, and lived in Chicago for like 13 years. And then, you know, people started moving back to Des Moines and people start people that I grew up with. And they were like, Des Moines great. And I was like, is it Chicago? And they're like, no, that's why it's great. <laughs> and so I came back a couple times to visit family. And I was like, you know, it is great. Once you get outside of the little bubble that I grew up in and, uh, you know, and so I was like, okay, maybe and thought about it. And then my um, uncle got sick. I, and so I was like, maybe this is a good opportunity. So packed up everything in Chicago and moved back. Um, and then about three months after that, got the job at the register after a grueling interview process that we'll probably get into. Um, and met Richard there and a bunch of really great people in the marketing department at, at the register at the time. And then I've, so I've been there ever since. Um, and it was actually a really great decision to move back. So I'm really glad I haven't really missed Chicago since I've been back. So if you have any Chicago listeners, I apologize. I love visiting now, but I don't know if I could ever go back to a big city. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, because I kind of feel the opposite. Like I've lived in a handful of places. They've all been uh, Kansas City, the New York City, now Des Moines. Um, and I love the big city, but I also yeah. love multi- like there, there's benefits of both, but I could definitely see myself like going back to New York city or moving to a Chicago. Um, if the right moment struck, I guess yeah. I could do a suburb. I could actually become something I thought I would never say in life is that I could probably do a suburb of, or like one of the neighborhoods in Chicago that's like on the skirts of the city. Okay. 
so that you can still take advantage of it. But you could also, your car is valuable. You're not shoveling your parking space out on the street and putting, yeah. I don't think you're allowed to put chairs down anymore, but you're not putting the chair down anymore oh my God. to save your spot. So I could probably do that. Minneapolis is appealing. Kansas City, yeah. some of those mid-level cities are really appealing. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I could get in the groove of like public transportation again and, you know, my <laughs> personal space being violated on a daily basis. I don't know if I could do that. It's Yeah, that's definitely like one of those things that you don't realize is happening until yeah. it's until the happening. arm gets in your face and you're like. <laughs> and it's 110 <laughs> degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You get, so I used to um, take in the summertime, I would take uh, a change of clothes with me. Like I'd yeah. wear sh shorts and a t-shirt on the subway and bring clothes with me to change into at work just because it was so gross in the summertime. That is smart. I've never, I never thought of that. Yeah. I was just, you know, it, uh, just getting on the bus when it was there at the time, you know, it was like yeah. a goal. Yes. Let so packing a bag. Um, we've, uh, been in COVID now for almost a year, which is yeah. ridiculous to say, but Wild. Uh, how are you doing with COVID and all that COVID has brought to your life? It's a good question. I've been t talking a lot about it and I think it's because of the holidays and I know it it's like everyone's kind of belief system and value system is being kind of getting brought up now. Um, and so I've, so I've been talking a lot about it and, uh, what I've said is like at the beginning when we were locked down and like we didn't have a choice, like we, you know, you basically you're home and then you go to the grocery store and then you go, please go home. Yeah. And that was like oddly comforting to me because there wasn't a fear of missing out on anything. It was comforting to know that everyone across the entire country was kind of doing the same thing and that that seemed safe and it seemed like we were working towards a common goal. So I felt like I, I did okay. And then when we like came out of that, I was a little bit like, I have to go outside. Um, <laughs> and it was a little like scary at first to come out of the bubble. And now I feel like mentally it's, and I don't know if it's because of the election and like, there's all this other stuff that's kind of like, you know, black lives matter, like all this stuff that's kind of happened since kind of we came out of it is, you know, it just feels like unsteady. Um, and so now I feel like it's, it's a little bit harder to navigate. And I think, you know, my sister works, in a job that I wouldn't consider essential, but they're not shutting them down. So she has to go. And that, you know, and people are starting, like people there are starting to get COVID and they hadn't for a while. And so, I don't know, now I feel a little bit kind of, you know, now it's tougher, I think, um, which is odd because, you know, the vaccine's coming. And so there's some like light at the end of the tunnel, but I don't know, I, you know, within my family, I'm lucky because we all kind of have the same value set. So we're, and we're all like comfortable expressing how we feel in a way that allows us to have like conversations about, you know, like, okay, well, if I'm coming for Christmas, I, you know, I'd appreciate it if everyone got tested or, you know, whatever it is just to yeah. feel comfortable. And I know other people aren't as lucky with their families. Like there isn't that open kind of conversation happening. And so I feel like it's a little trickier right now for me I, I was like I liked the bubble and now I feel like it's just a little trickier mentally for me but yeah I mean I get that it's I think we're all just exhausted from the, to your point up to the exhausted of the year like everything yeah. happened and um everything continues to happen um, yeah almost in still every aspect of everything that yeah. happened this summer yeah. Um, yeah I hadn't thought about how comforting that first lockdown was because I, I remember it would have been like April-ish May-ish maybe yeah um, and just like being outside with, with my daughter, like there were people out on walks and walking their dog, but like we were all kind of just in our super tight bubble at that point. And it, it was kind of comforting. Um, and now we're definitely not in that, that space so much. Um, I don't yeah. think it's bad, but it's definitely kind of opened up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I get that. I get that. How are you guys doing? I know you traveled, right? For Thanksgiving. And uh, we did. Um, yeah. and that was, we had, we talked, um, right before that like because Colorado was going on heavy lockdown and they've got a different system in terms of how they're managing their lockdowns um and they were going super tight and we talked about do we just cancel the whole thing and we we decided um we would go and everything's closed so we'll just stay in the house we were going to be staying in um yeah I was 50 50 and I said you and your mom can make make the choice that you yeah. think makes the most sense um I wasn't worried. Um, yeah. The flight was barely half full, if that. Um, but oddly, the airports felt super full, but the, none of the flights were. Um, maybe I'm just not that many people. Like, I'm just. 
Where are they going? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but no, it was really, it was, it was fine. Um, yeah. We did take out for the times we wanted to get food outside the house. Like it wasn't, yeah. um, and we drove through the mountains just to do something. Yeah. That's uh, great. But yeah, it was just a low, low, uh, low impact Thanksgiving, yeah. I guess you could say. Sounds like a dream, really. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who, so my parents traveled. So in July, my stepdad traveled to Florida, right when like everything was spiking in Florida. And we were all just like sitting at home with our fingers crossed. Yeah, what are you doing? Waiting, waiting for him to get home and everything was fine. And then oddly, like in November, my parents were like, well, we're going to go to Florida now. It, and I was like, okay, it's worse than it's been, but you know, what's the, and they were like, you know, we just, we just feel like, you know, we want to go and we'll take, we'll take precaution. And so they went and they came back and they were fine. Um, and then I have a friend now who's like thinking of going to Florida for the month of February, just to, just because, you know, everything's remote now, they're not going to go back to the office, change the scenery. It'll allow them to be outside more. Yep. You know, I think we talked about this when you were at Rich. February doesn't count. It's a fake month. You know, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> many days. It's like, um, it's a tough month anyway. So, which I think is a great yeah. thing. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Been, yeah. So I'm curious, like, how have you, given that it has been basically locked down and shelter and keep your, your bubble super, super tight, how have you maintained, like, a positive outlook on day-to-day -day life? So in the summer, like, th this is why I think I was like, sh I'm struggling in the winter because I'm like, how is this going to happen? Because like, the out like enough cannot be said about the outdoors. Like, it really is, has been a saving grace. And so every week I would look forward to a Friday a bike ride with uh, a group of friends and we would, you know, it was the same bike ride. We weren't pushing ourselves, not like I, you know, I wasn't trying <laughs> or anything. I was just, you know, my, my goal was to get to the beer. And once I got to the beer, my goal was then to not drink too much of it. Yeah, so I could get back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so very, you know, like very achievable goals. Um, and so when, when we were like, this could be our, like, I remember, I mean, November we had some really good weather days and I, we were, we kept saying like, this is probably the last time. Yeah. This is probably our last ride. <laughs> and each time we were like, we've got to figure out what we're going to do. And so the other thing I've done with that friend who thinks that she's going to Florida in February and I'm like, well, what will we, what will I do? Um, but we've decided to make a winter promise to ourselves. And so we're actually forcing ourselves to get outside and walk five miles a day. And so however we can figure that out, it helps to have a dog cause they have to go outside. So yeah. you just extend the walk a little bit more. Um, and so we're holding each other accountable to that. Um, and so that's been good because we've also been meeting up to do the walk. We don't live too far from each other. We live within walking distance so we can meet up and go on our like night walk with our dogs together. And, and so that's, that has like kind of given me kind of life that it's like, okay, there's like, I have something to focus on that isn't, you know, that's kind of different. And, um, and it gets me outside breathing fresh air. Now there were some, there were some days that it was like, I was like, all right, this is what it's going to feel like when it's super cold outside. But, yes. but we bundled up and we did it. And so, so that, that's kind of like, that's been really helpful that we've kind of shifted the, the Friday, the Friday ride to yeah. five miles a day. Yeah. That's awesome. It's kind of lofty, but yeah. we'll see. That's what are you guys doing? I mean, for, I don't know that we've changed a whole lot from what we kind of did in the summer. Um, yeah it's, it's easy to stay busy with a almost two year old. Um, but it's really hard because, you know, you want to take her to, to the mall play place and you want to take her to the, to, um, like the science center and go see friends on the weekend. And we're, we're not doing any of those things. And so like, it's just do as much different stuff at home as you can to make sure that she's engaged and learning and growing. Um, yeah. and just hoping that, you know, we can, we can, do those other things soon. Like we want to put her in swim lessons too. So like, how do you do that and do it safely? And, um, you know, if you don't want her to not do those things. So like, yeah. it's that balance. Yeah. Have you figured out some lessons? There's a couple places. I mean, there's no way to do it where you're masking and or socially. Oh, yeah. So it's just, yeah. it, it, it's a risk you take, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It so, would be dangerous to mask a swimmer. I'm just, I saying. think it would, I think that's really not <laughs> what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I think they'd probably frown on that. I did. I was 
when I was leaving, because I go into work sometimes. So when I was leaving work, I passed by the downtown Y with the swimming pool and they, they were rocking. I mean, that pool was busy the other day. And I was like, yeah. all right, people got to, I mean, people got to figure out how to stay healthy and happy. And yeah, I mean, I've gone to the gym. I try and go once a week, the actual yeah. gym. I missed last week because Kennedy, my daughter, um, decided to be up and awake and active at five in the morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go. Um, but yeah, like you, there's a, there's a spot in the gym where it's like the high, where they, what they call the high intensity where you don't wear, you don't have to wear your mask. Um, and then when you go do like your yogas and your stretching and just like the weight machines, you wear your mask there. Like it's just yeah. know that you're going to wear it. Yeah. It really, I will say it gets gross because you're sweating and like this mask is getting out, but it is what it is. Yeah. So you need multiple. Uh, <laughs> do you think like, I wonder about, I was, I was thinking about it more like within the way that, that our, like my work operates, but do you think there's things like the gym or different things that you've seen, like grocery stores, like that they're going to just continue to do, like everyone's had to pivot so much to be able to stay in business. Do you think that there's some level of that's like some staying power for some of that stuff? And what do you think that would be? I, I mean, I think from a, um, Grocery, grocery stores example like everyone doing their you know ordering online like that was already yeah. happening it just it just intensified yeah. and sped up a whole lot like so i don't think that's going to go away um in the banking world like people are going to continue to bank digitally um i mean people are still going to want to go to the gym i mean that, that's going to yeah. come back people are going to 100 percent still want to go out to eat once we're allowed to like that stuff so, is gonna, like explode on the op the opposite direction for, like i think for like local coffee shops and eateries that figured out how do I do takeaway food? Like, I think they'll still do that because now they have that new revenue stream. So yeah. I think they for them, survive like, it. yeah, it's a good yeah. thing for them. I think yeah. they can survive. I think so too. I mean, I think it's made people super creative around yeah. like different revenue streams. We, like being in the event world, virtual events, have like sustained some businesses, yeah. ours included. Like we have a total, you know, like the running race industry, which is so interesting to me that like people are all in on that. And I wonder, like the thing I wonder about is like, are people all in on it this year because like they needed something? And right. then what does it look like? Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's certainly not gonna be as big of a revenue stream as it was this year, but I do wonder like how much staying power it has. Um, think about like musicians who now just do like a, a live show yeah. bucks. Like if you're not touring, what's stopping you on a Saturday night for putting on a live show and yeah. who doesn't live in a big city who will never be able to see you live anyway. Just yeah. awesome. Like that's, they should have been doing that a long time ago. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's just like people got real creative and real, like it's, it's been really interesting and kind of like that was part of this. That was part of what was fun is when we were trying to pivot and it was like, what could that like the creative juices on that were like really, really fun. Cause it's yeah. like, I don't know, whatever we want. Exactly. And there's no real overhead no. to doing something digital. So you're like, well, we could be, we could take a risk and just see. And if it yeah. doesn't work, we're no worse off than we were before. <laughs> and like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the, the goal really is like to make sure that we're also having fun too. So like, let's just, I don't know, let's roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah. So that's, that leads me to a, a, a subject change. What, what got you into marketing in the first place? <laughs> it's going to be a really terrible answer. <laughs> Did you ask me this during my interview process at the register? I might have. I don't know. It could be a different answer. <laughs> Cause you know, I was trying to get a job then. <laughs> but here's my honest answer <laughs> for all those listening out there. Um, I moved to Chicago to go to college. I went to Columbia College in downtown Chicago. And I was a journalism major and I minored in PR. Um, and really the focus of PR there was more like a like event PR. Yeah. That like that's what they that's really, for sure. Yeah. And uh and so one of my internships was a, a like a 5K race that happened in Chicago. But in doing that, I had a lot of background in waitressing and hosting. So I was looking for a job while I was in college and stumbled into American Girl Place, which is a national retailer that is experiential retail. So it's it's not just shopping, it's the cafe and the live musical theater at the in the basement. And these dolls have stories and clothes. And at the time they had clothes that you could match your doll's clothes. And it was all about play value and you know, all of those words. Um, 
And I walked in to just get a job as a host and they were like, well, we don't need those. We need servers. And I was like, I can do that too. So I was serving while going to college and a lot of the special events that American Girl did and had a big focus on happened in the cafe because it was all around the food. Like, you know, when you're packaging events together, you package the theater and you package the cafe. And so somehow in, in all of that, I became like the go-to server for the events. They were like, Anne, you'll be our event server. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I love it. So like they were doing things like gingerbread making classes and cooking classes and like, you know, they, it was like a no hole. It was like cooking classes where we were making like pot stickers from scratch and like, wow. like it was like pretty great stuff. Um, and then there were other events that were going on too, like, you know, Josefina's birthday party, you know, things of this nature. Josefina was a historical character. They're dolls for anyone who doesn't know. Sometimes I just assume people know what it is. They're dolls and they have stories. Um, and so in doing that, I got to know the marketing, the two women that were in marketing well. And I was on vacation in San Francisco with my mom and my aunt lived there and we were just kind of traveling around and I got a phone, I had just graduated and I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. And I got a phone call from my, my boss in the cafe at the time that said, hey, they have opened up another marketing position to grow their groups, their group business. So we had tour buses that were coming in with groups of people and, and stuff. And I was like, oh. Um, sounds <laughs> terrible. That sounds horrible. <laughs> because it was a lot of like cold calling and pitching. And I'm just, that's just not, Yeah. I'm just not good at that. You know, I, I hate rejection. It was like, it was like, you know, it was big time rejection, you know, like you'd have to pick up the phone and they'd be like, I did not want to talk to you. And I'm like, I didn't really want to talk to you either. Thanks. <laughs> <so>. um, <laughs> you're just in my binder. Um, and so in telling me that they weren't telling me to say like apply, they were saying we've applied for you. Yeah. We have chartered the course of your life for you. And I was like, Oh, and so I got off the phone and I was like, I was flattered that they did it. But then I was also like, wait, do I want this anyway? So that's how I got into it. <laughs> someone signed me up for it. And so I got it, but then I got the job. I was the group salesperson. The woman who was like doing all the events was pregnant at the time. And she, so for like three months we were working together and then she ended up having her baby early. And then I started doing both. Um, we were, and this was right when American Girl was like gangbusters, like opening stores, like New York had just opened, LA was about to open. And then they started to open up these smaller stores. So our, my manager was off focused on opening up retail stores. So I was managing both the group sales and the events. And then we hired, and then we found out that Annika wasn't going to come back. And so we hired, we were going to hire in for her position. And I got the, they asked me, which I would prefer. And I said, no, get me, get me over to the events. Yeah. <laughs> and it was more than it was like tourism marketing. It was marketing new product launches. It was like all the experiential stuff was on the side. What I thought was all the fun stuff. And luckily we found somebody who was like, oh my God, I would never do that. I would only want to do the cold calling. And so she came in and did the group sales piece. We were a really good complement to each other. And we worked together there for like seven years in the marketing department. And it was really great. It was right when American Girl was kind of flourishing and it was yeah. really kind of great. I didn't know a thing about American Girl until you came into my life. And now with I the daughter, I dread the day oh. to figure out what they are. You are in. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, during my orientation, they took us over to the doll hospital and the, the oh doctor God. was wearing the stethoscope and the, the doctor's coat and her little like badge or whatever. And I looked at someone and I was like, what is this place? Like, <laughs> I didn't have one. I had friends that had them, but I, and I was like, what are we, what? And then what we went into this? the cafe and there's like little seats where the dolls put on. And at first I was just like, so weird. And like, you know, 10 year old girls were dressed like, you know, the colonial Felicity, whatever. They were like dressed like their doll. And I was like, I'm confused. And then, and then you very quickly drink the Kool-Aid when you yeah. work there because it is like a phenomenal brand and great product. I mean, you just drink the Kool-Aid. So then I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Grown woman with like five dolls celebrates her 40th birthday at America. I totally get it. <laughs> Walk over here. We'll go to table 29. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring out your cinnamon buns. So you, you went from that role and you, you worked your way back to, to Iowa. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. What do you remember of that interview that you were in that I was on the other side of the table uh, making sure that we didn't let, you know, ruffians slip through the cracks. 
Okay, so that interview, well, I'll say this, that was my, I ended up interviewing eight times before. You did not, like, eight, eight times? People. Yeah, with eight people before I got the job. Jeez. So like, that was early on in the process. There were three of you. So for the listeners, there are three, Richard, and then Kristen Manders and Morgan Meyer. Yep. And you all had different roles. And I didn't really understand. I, I don't think I understood who you were, like what was going on at the time. I, I had the job, but I didn't know what I was doing. So oh, yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I remember like you had very direct questions. And so I was like, okay, this guy's tough, but he's got direct questions and they're fair. Kristen, uh, seemed to be like a peacemaker. I have a cat. Do you like cat? Uh, really sweet. And I was like, got her. She's on my team. <laughs> and then Morgan was, um, Morgan was tough. And so I remember, uh, I remember leaving and I'll say that you took me into a room. If I could set the stage, like I go in to check in and Janine, who's the front desk woman is like, okay, yeah, you're going to be in this back room. Well, it's like the public office, like ground level register office. <laughs> and we're back in a room that's called the media room. It's like where Janine ate lunch. It was Janine's lunch room. And you, that's where you guys were like, great. <laughs> and mind you, I, you were taking me upstairs to the actual office space after that interview. Cause I was interviewing with Mark and Julie afterwards. But so you take me into this really strange room where I'm on like a pedestal twirly chair <laughs> in a dress and I'm like, <laughs> trying not to like swing around. And then I think you and Kristen were on a couch and Morgan was in a chair or something. I don't know. There was, I don't know how it all, but I remember after that meeting being like, Morgan definitely doesn't like me. Did not win Morgan over. Morgan was like, never wanted me. <laughs> it just seemed like Morgan was like, no, thank you. And I was like, I couldn't read you, but I knew you were, you were like prepared, which is funny because it's, it's very indicative of your personality. You were super prepared with questions. Um, and follow-up questions. And so I was like, I don't know. I mean, he asked good questions, but I don't, I couldn't read you at all. And then Kristen, I was like, I think Kristen's just very uncomfortable. It <laughs> was a good interview is what you're saying. Yeah, you felt- It really was a great good. interview. <laughs> and then I went up and had an interview with uh, two other people who, they ended up talking to each other a lot. So it was a very strange day of interviews, really, because I would say something and they would be like, oh, interesting. And then they talk to each other. And I was like, I take that as good because I think they're brainstorming off of something, yeah. I, a nugget I gave them, but I, I'm not a part of the conversation. So I'm <laughs> just listening. <laughs> it was a really strange experience. But ultimately, like, I'm really glad I ended up there. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you did too. Yeah. Clearly, I signed off on the hire because... <laughs> I'm not sure Morgan ever did, but, uh, <laughs> did you know that Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States and the only cause of death in the United States in the top 10 without a cure. That's why for the fourth year, I'm leading a fundraiser this summer for the longest day. We're once again, going to be riding our bikes around central Iowa, and it is your chance, your opportunity to support that cause. And there's something in it for you. We always have great raffle prizes. So if you go to bit.ly slash TLD Iowa 2021 and donate today, you'll be entered into that raffle and support our mission. As the Iowa board chairman of the Alzheimer's Association, I'm always on the front lines fighting to raise awareness for our cause and our mission is to live in a world without Alzheimer's and all other dementias. This work is vitally important and your dollars go right into the community. They help provide direct community programming, support for a 24 seven support hotline accessible to anyone as often as they need and to support groups for both those living with Alzheimer's and other dementias and their caregivers. Again, you can go to donate today bit.ly slash TLD Iowa 2021, or just Google Alzheimer's Longest Day and then search for my name, Richard Didor, to donate to our team. The event is in June, but donate today so you don't forget. Thank you so much for your support, and hopefully one day we'll have that world without Alzheimer's.
Well, you're still there in a different role. And yeah. you talked about doing experiential stuff at American Girl, and that's clearly part of what your role is now, helping lead um, and play a strategic role in putting on RAGBRAI. And for those listeners who don't know, it is the, the Register's annual... Kika, why don't you... Why don't you, why don't you okay. trying to, to mouth it to you. Register's annual great bicycle rider across Iowa. Okay, so it's a bicycle ride in the month of July um, that goes from the west coast of Iowa all the way to the east coast of Iowa. It's been going on for a, a long time, um, and you now lead that. What is – obviously, you didn't have it this last year. Hmm. Um, what is – like, talk, just, just tell me, like, what that whole operation is like and why you took that job and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Bragbury's magic. It's magic. I, so – I grew up in Iowa, so I knew of Ragbri. Uh, never rode Ragbri. So Ragbri, this will be its forty. It'll be forty-nine years, but it'll be the forty-eighth Ragbri because twenty-twenty is, you know. Yeah, it <laughs> do-over. is. It's a do-over. Um, so I knew of it, and then in twenty eighteen, for the first time, it kind of fell under my purview of my job. I was always kind of like assisting them with placement of advertisements and things like that. But in 2018, it, it became a larger part of my role from a strategy perspective with the team that was there. And so I went on it as a crew member and, uh, and it was, it was everything it claims to be and more. I mean, it is just like magic. It is a seven day rolling festival that is, like summer camp for adults, you know, it's just like, it's unbelievable. And, and so like, and, and again, like, I feel like this is like the trajectory of my life, but like, I always drink the Kool-Aid and I was like, this thing is, is amazing. And there's so much opportunity here just from a engagement perspective, you know, and, uh, and then went back in 2019 to work it. And then we had a, what I'll call a little bit of a, of an upheaval in October of 2019. And so we lost the entire staff. Um, and in that process, the way that, the way that RAGBRA is positioned internally as an organization, uh, it, it, I was the woman, like, like I was the woman standing. And so my boss at the time, who was the boss of the, the ride director at the time came to me and said, like, I'm not really sure what we're asking of you but we need you to jump in and kind of be the face and kind of like steer the ship until we, you know, as we figure this out together. And I was like, yeah, on it, got it. Um, so did like, you know, the, and it was, it was, na- I'll just say it, it was nasty uh, for a while. There was some stuff being, there was stuff happening that was um, a lot of stuff that probably no one publicly knows was happening. And then a lot of stuff that was happening publicly and it was, um, it was nasty. So once we've, you know, finally kind of steadied the waters, uh, it's been, and I would even say that what happened was we had to go out and kind of talk, like talk to writers and communicate with them what was going on and, and not only what was going on, but where we wanted to take the event and, and, and how much we wanted, you know, how much, how important it is that the writers have a say in that and the towns have a say in that. And that was actually really, probably the best thing that could have happened for any new management coming in because you're getting a direct focus group. We're getting a direct focus group every day for like four or five months and continue to get it. And so, you know, it's a really good trial by fire when you can have people that have been doing it for 30 years, tell you why it's so important and what is, you know, what is the important piece of it and what are pieces that could be better. And so, you know, it's been a, you know, ever since October of last year, I feel like it just, it just like prepared me for whatever, for what became of 2020, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, okay, this is the next thing we'll have to do. We'll have to cancel the event and postpone it to 2021. Okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. Next hurdle. Um, and so it's just been really, uh, I don't know. It's been really rewarding to have those conversations with, I mean, that's the rewarding part is to actually connect with and interact with the towns and the, and the people that are riding it. So I don't know if what that, that, what your question was, but that's my answer to it. What would you say? So if someone, I'm trying to figure out how to word this question. Um, and obviously I grew up in Iowa too, writing rag is on my list of things to eventually do. I can um, help you there. I'm, I'm, I think I have a connection. Um, <laughs> what, 
what is, I guess you've been, you've been part of that crew now for a little more than two years. What would you say your lesson has been from jumping into, let's, let's be real. It's a premier biking event in, in the States. Um, so what, what's your kind of takeaway so far? Um, it's about, it's about, I think the reason that Ragbri is successful, I think the reason why Ragbri is lightning in a bottle and magic is because it wasn't produced, right? Because people like me didn't come in and try to like manufacture it. <laughs> and I think the best thing for me to, <laughs> the best thing that I've learned is like, you gotta let Ragbri organically create the magic. Um, there's no way you can reproduce something like that right now because, and the reason, like the reason I would say is because of capitalism and because of profit margins and because of, because money is so important to people. And I think because it was just two columnists from the Des Moines register wanting to connect with their readers and they just, they like, frankly, they just wanted to get paid to ride their bikes across the state of Iowa yeah. and the, and the editor at the time was like, sure, but you have to write columns from the road. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Because it was allowed to just organically grow into what it was, it's become what it is. Yeah. And I think as much as we can keep our hands out of that and just create the infrastructure for folks and don't screw that up, right? Create a great route, <laughs> create infrastructure. And then where we can create better lines of communication create better access to information and highlight the towns more. So as much as we can create better infrastructure for the towns too, so that all the towns could need to focus on is hospitality and what makes them great and showcasing their town, then I think we can maintain the, like what's so special. And I think as long as we can keep our fingers out of the rest of it. So how, take that a step further and how does what you've gone through you know, taking on this role and the ups and downs and the, 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 you know, the history behind the event, how does that connect with, with just your life in general, how you live your everyday life? So that first three months was like very emotional. It was like very hard for me because, because, because it was, it did not, like I had a sense of Ragbri is so much bigger than Ragbri, right? I had a sense from the two years that I was on it that the team that like put, produces Ragbri only controls a little piece of it. And the rest of it, just the vendors that are along the route, the charters, yeah. the towns, the what, all this other stuff, the teams, all that is happening outside of what they've created, like what they've built. And so it's just this every year, it's kind of like they manage this piece of it. And that piece is like the safety and the health and making sure the experience is there. And then the rest of it is because everyone shows up and, and because the towns show up because they have so much pride. And so I had a real sense early on that, the livelihood of so many people depended on me not screwing up. <laughs> so I will say like, I take that sort of thing like really seriously. And so like, I don't ever want and generally in life. I don't want to be the reason you have a bad day. That's just generally like how I feel about things is like, man, I really don't want to screw up someone's day and or life. Like I will go out of my way not to hurt a feeling or to, you know? And so I think like, if I could be so bold, um, I do think like that personality trait was extremely helpful because I knew, first of all, I cared deeply about the fact that these people were now worried that if for whatever reason, Ragbride doesn't happen, like, yeah. There, there were certain businesses that it, it would like, they would cease to exist and, and these people's lives would, you know, they'd have to pivot completely. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone's last week in July that they look forward to would be different and over and like the economic impact in the state, that's a huge loss to the state of Iowa. And so I just felt that really deeply. And I think that's just kind of the type of person I am is that I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't call myself an empath, but I feel I'm empathetic to people. And so I think it just taught me that my instincts are right, it, you know, and I think people first is right. And, uh, and so, you know, I think that's why it was so hard for me too, because I, I kind of took on everyone else's feelings around it. Um, 
And so it also like gave me a sense of confidence that like you could really throw anything at me and I would be fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it gave yeah. me a sense. Yeah. It gave me a lot of confidence in that regard, it, it, you know, where maybe I wouldn't have had it before. Cause I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, but it also showed me things that I already knew about myself, which is I, you know, I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll just get to work. You know, I'm a workhorse more than anything. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, there were a lot of like personal lessons, but then a lot of like, I've just made really good connections with people and friendships out of it because, um, you know, we've shared stories and I, and I understand their business models. And, um, and so it was, it was a good growth experience for me too, personally and professionally. That's, I mean, that's awesome to hear. Um, And it, it definitely rings true to what I know about you. And, you know, the conversations that we've had since our paths crossed and I left that job and we've stayed in touch and had our fair share of, of drinks together. Not enough, but that, that uh-huh. it sometimes. Um, I, I want to ask, um, as you, so as you think about what, where your life can go or where you, what you want to do, like you clearly have kind of carved a niche in terms of this like marketing event, deep connection with people, like what, what's your future like? Really big question, so good luck. That's a really big question. It's one I've been thinking a lot about lately. I think everyone probably has like, been bit. digging in that in 2020. Um, I don't think I'm alone there. Um, I don't know. I think this deep sense of like connection and purpose with people is really important to me and, and uh, this, this role certainly gives, you know, provides that. Um, but I also, you know, the creative, like the pivot thing that I was talking about earlier to be like, okay, we're not having a ride this year. What are we going to do? And, uh, and also like, like that was extremely rewarding to figure that out. Um, and like, and not be so concerned about the outcome of it, right? Like the revenue outcome of it, but to be, to have succeeded in the, the camaraderie and community aspect of it was really rewarding. Um, uh, I think I'm just searching for more things like that, uh, personally and professionally. So, you know, there are a lot of things that we've set up with Ragbri now that will allow those things to continue. You know, we've got a better, deeper kind of connection with the communities now to ensure transparency and accountability on both sides. Um, working through the marketing aspect of things, you know, I do kind of like logistics and operations. I like the problem solving of that. So um, I knew that before, but I just didn't, you know, wasn't necessarily something that was, you know, presented in my, my normal everyday work environments. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that, and I've always known this, like the, the deep connection piece is an extremely important piece to me, whether that's, you know, connection with the, the actual team or the extended team. I mean, the extended team for Ragbri is like thousands of people. Um, but or if it's just like my personal friends. And so I just think I want to make sure that those things, if those things aren't being, that that isn't being fulfilled, then it's probably time to figure something else out. Uh, All right. So we're getting towards the end here. What uh, you said that you, uh, this summer you're doing your Friday bike rides and you know, the middle, middle stop was, it was a beer. What's your, what's your beer of choice? What's your brewery of choice? Mm -hmm. Well, I've got, I've got to give a plug to Big Grove because they're the, they create the official beer of Ragbri, but they're also, like, I've been really impressed with, they're out of Iowa City and Coralville, uh, Iowa City, Coralville area, and then they have a place in Solon. But I've been really impressed with what they're doing through the pandemic. They've really figured out how to create product, <laughs> how to market the product. Their content on social is really great, but they've also figured out how to, and I think it's because the people the the leaders there are like-minded in the way that they care about their community but they've given back a lot through through this but boomtown was my uh which is a big grove boom it's like a oh my god i hope they don't listen because <laughs> it's a light <laughs> beer it's a light refreshing beer uh it's not a lager i think it's called it's um similar to like a kolsch it's like it's very okay. easy to drink um 
So that was my go-to when we'd get to the chicken. The chicken didn't have tailwind, otherwise I would have had that, which is, uh, that is a lager. That's the rag rye beer. But I also, it's hard because I'm normally, and I think you know this about me, I'm a porter stout drinker. You are. And so, so that's hard to do when you're riding your bike in 90 degree <laughs> weather. So I, uh, the Boomtown is where I, I lived in the Boomtown this summer and really liked it. Um, but I'll go to a Porter, I'll transition to Porter Stout now. Um, and I like a good Sauvignon Blanc. That was my, that was my drink of choice when I was on patios, socially <laughs> distancing with friends this summer. Uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, so last question, I think. What are you doing now, aside from your daily five mile walks, but uh, to ensure that, that you're positioning just your overall mind, your overall health, to make sure that you are able to embrace every day and get the most out of every day? So the, the five mile walk is really important. That's fresh air, uh, sometimes really cold fresh air, but fresh air. Um, <laughs> And then after we get off here, I'm actually going to go put together my indoor bike that I bought myself for Christmas. Nice. Uh, and so I'll do some indoor spinning. You know, I've got to keep my legs fresh. I did sign up for, or I took a rider challenge to do the century ride. So I have signed myself up next year to ride a hundred mile day. Oh, cool. um, I don't know what I was thinking. So I was supposed to do that a couple of years ago for my Alzheimer's longest day bike ride, but um, I popped two tires I was like at mile 75 or 80 and I, and I lost the second tire. I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. So I did not. At mile seven, you were already 70 miles in. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. A bummer. See, once you're there, I mean, what's 30 more. I just had no more tires left. I couldn't. I know, but I know that's why it's such a bummer. Cause you yeah. are, I was thinking like, you know, you just, you know, just started or something, but like you're that far in like, what a bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got to get ready for that. Um, but the, I will, the whole point of the winter promise was that, like, you know, everyone was calling it the dark winter. And I was like, oh, God, what are we going to do <laughs> for the dark winter? Uh, so there's that. And then I've also committed myself every morning to uh, just, it's not meditation, but it's just like a level set for the day of yeah. like intention for the day intention like bigger intention so so maybe i'll focus on the question you asked me that i couldn't really answer which is like what do i hope for myself and um i'll put that on the list but uh <laughs> but yeah it's a uh, it's more it's more of that like you know just kind of what am i what do i what do i want what do i want today what do i want this week um and each day just kind of checking in with myself so the goal is that i wake up at 6 a.m which probably sounds like nothing to you and have that's fine. I have a hard time getting out of bed. Um, <laughs> so the goal is to wake up at six. The goal is to, you know, like it's, it, they're kind of changing because, you know, the goal is to have the five miles almost done by the middle of the day now, because okay. that just feels so much better yeah. than to like the first week it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, got to get this like, get outside, like running around at midnight. <laughs> and I was like, got it. And I was like, nah, it feels much better to have it in the middle of the day. So that, I think that coupled with like the fresh air and the exercise are what I'm really focused on. Um, but I want to, can I ask you, what are you, what do you do? Um, that's, it's, that's a good question. Um, I, like I said, I try and get the, 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 the weekly gym visit in. I yeah. try and do some at home workout if I can. I've been trying to be more intentional about sitting down and reading. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not good at every day because sometimes the day is just, just to try like, if I'm in charge of dinner and putting Kennedy to bed, like at the end of the day, like the last thing I want to do is sit down and read and try and be smart and stuff. So, um, yeah. but trying, just trying to do those little <laughs> things are, are really important. I think, um, I've, I've tried to, yeah. so this sounds really dumb probably, but not drink coffee first thing in the morning, like drink a big glass of water and like try and like yeah. be healthier in that way. So like just, I think I'm trying to just do littler actions to, to do that. Interesting. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? I don't want to talk about it. Because I know you like it. You it's don't a, want to talk about it. Okay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's back up. Uh, <laughs> rewind. I have gotten into, because I normally, I have not been a coffee drinker. And then I was introduced to the flat white. 
What is that? Which is, it's like a double shot of espresso with steamed milk. Okay. So yeah, sign me up for that. Apparently I don't like, like light coffee. I like, I like espresso. European <laughs> coffee, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. I like stout and, you know, like, yes. I guess that makes sense from a palate perspective, but like, that's a dangerous little endeavor. Double espresso is dangerous. I know. Luckily, <laughs> I, I don't need it every day, but I did... Before we got on, I walked down to Zanzibar's and back to nice. a little coffee shop, a little shop yeah. um, and got myself a flat white. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, and thank you so much for, for popping on, taking time out of your day. If people want to find you online, how can they do that? Oh, interesting. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I think it's best to know that I'm A-N-N-E versus A-N-N. So A-N is A-N-N-E. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Ann Laurie, L-A-W-R-I-E. I'm on Instagram. I'm Miss Laurie on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> or they could just email me. I'm Ann at ragbri.com. I love an email. All right. Well, I love an email more than I love a social media, just if anyone's keeping track. You're probably the only person in the world who says that, which is awesome. Yeah. So I, I get, yeah. Yeah, I get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to justify it, but... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Live It Well podcast. That is my life motto, live it well. And I hope that by you listening to this podcast, you are being inspired to live your life as best as you can. If you loved it, please go to where you're listening, Apple, Google, Spotify, leave us a rating. Obviously, five stars the best, but the ratings really help people find stories like this. And so I really appreciate that. If you want to go follow me online, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Richard Didor, or this podcast has an Instagram account, Live It Well Podcast. And if you want to find me on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash richard.m.didor. The links are in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this show. If you need a speaker for your virtual or in-person event, please go to my website at richarddidor.com and check out the different speeches and keynotes and workshops that I have ready to go to inspire your team, inspire your, your teammates, inspire your staff. I'm ready to go and, and I know you are too. So again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Live It Well podcast. And I leave you with my message. I hope you live it well.